Welcome to you, Macintosh and Mod Haven't Seen What, the podcast where we make each other watch movies we should have already seen. I'm Diana. And I'm David. And this week we are watching Roadhouse. A tough bouncer is hired to tame a dirty bar. <laughs> well, I like how s- succinct that is. Uh-huh. Because it is accurate. I was prepared to hate watch this movie. Yeah. And I didn't. I did. Uh, there's... There's one. The sex scene is the worst part of this whole movie. Oh, it's it so is bad. So bad. Like major boner killer. That entire scene. And the entire villain plot is pretty awful. It's just that part is so cheesy. Everything else is all right. But Generally, my favorite thing in this whole movie is the acting. I, I just really enjoyed it. And I really like Patrick Swayze in this. There are two or three actors that really torpedo the movie for me. But overall, okay. everybody's doing a damn good job. It's, you know, it's just fun. It's a mostly fun movie. And the reputation it's gotten, I can kind of understand. But I feel like there's a whole lot of other movies that deserve the so bad it's good reputation than this one. This is a total popcorn thriller that only unravels right near the end. I mean, this is a dumb action movie that doesn't take place on a battlefield or with spies. So that makes it a little unusual. But like, I enjoyed watching this the same way I enjoy watching like The Fast and the Furious and The Mission Impossibles. It's just like, oh, a bunch of guys are going to beat each other up. They're going to say some bad words and make some quips at each other. Okay. And then there's a lot of boobs. There's a lot of boobs. There are. There's also just a lot of intelligence. Uh, Especially from our leads. Intelligence? Uh, Wisdom. Uh, Introspection. Yes. That's the word. Which, you know what? Is not common for a male-led action film. It was unexpected. And delightful. Well, Mr. Dalton, you may add nine staples to your dossier of 31 broken bones, two bullet wounds, nine puncture wounds, and four stainless steel screws. That's an estimate, of course. I'll give you a local. No, thank you. Do you enjoy pain? Pain don't hurt. Money. This movie cost a budget of $17 million to make. It made 30 million US gross and worldwide. It made upwards of 90 million. I doubt that that figure is anywhere near accurate based on how many times this has gotten shown on cable, especially in recent years. Oh, yeah. This somehow became an ironic love to hate movie in the past few years Mm -hmm. to the point where an entire new generation of college dudes really got into this movie. I I get it. And you know what? I was worried that it was going to feel a little douchey and bad, mm-hmm. but I would aspire to be a little bit like Dalton in my real life. Maybe not as ready to rip a throat out of a guy, but... <laughs> that, was, that was nuts. <laughs> but to have that cool demeanor in a tense situation... I guess I don't have that because I am that way. <laughs> like, when someone's screaming at me, I'm just kind of like, yeah. Uh-huh. So when he's talking about all that stuff, I'm just kind of like, duh, this is how you handle this shit. Guys don't think that way. I am Dalton. Ooh. Hmm. Okay. Let's talk about the writing of this film. <laughs> it was written? <laughs> At some point, they, someone put words on a paper. The writing credit for this film goes to R. Lance Hill, 
He did 8 Million Ways to Die and Out for Justice. By far, this is his biggest project ever. Yeah, because I do not recognize those names at all. No, had nothing else to do with anything. But the second pass at this screenplay was done by Hilary Hankin, who is best known for Romeo's Bleeding and Wag the Dog. Hmm. And some other notable minor action movies in the 90s. Okay. The story was reportedly inspired by the story of a local bad guy getting killed in plain view and everybody basically saying no one saw anything. Mm -hmm. And this may very well be, because I've heard this story on the dollop before, the story of Ken McElroy, the bully of Skidmore, Missouri, who literally terrorized the town of Skidmore, Mm -hmm. was involved in really bad news with his family and abuse and sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. And one day finally irked the townsfolk enough that they got a posse together and shot him in the street and the FBI investigated nobody, and nobody, nobody saw a thing. Up. Sheriffs were in on it. Everybody knew. It was like, this guy has to die because he's bad fucking news. There's a reason why peasants revolt. Ah. <laughs> when you're that bad that a whole town decides we're going to look the other way. We're all going to go in on a crime. We all agree to a crime. Whether or not we're the ones pulling the trigger, yeah, we're, we're gr- not going to pay attention to this one. We're, we didn't see anything. We're agreeing to it. Mm-hmm. We're not preventing the crime. Yeah. <laughs> Peasants revolt for a reason, man. Most of the character names were taken from Wild West personalities. That makes sense. So we have Wade Garrett for Pat Garrett, who killed Pilly the Kid. Brad Wesley, a.k.a. John Wesley Harden, the prolific Wild West killer. Doc, as in Doc Holliday, the legendary gunfighter. Mm -hmm. Emmett and Dalton, relating to Emmett Dalton, leader of the Dalton gang. Tillman, also relating to Bill Tillman, the lawman in Dodge City in Oklahoma. Yeah. And Younger, relating to Cole Younger, a bandit and killer in the Old West. Hmm. And this film is set in the fictional town of Jasper, Missouri, outside of Kansas City. But the funny part, there is an actual Jasper, Missouri south of Kansas City with a lot of rivers around it. That's funny. So this very well could have literally happened in that town. Mm. I I bet you what happened is they came up with a name and then it just was a coincidence. Oh, it was a total coincidence, but it's pretty funny that they wound up finding something that was so accurate. All right, our director is Rowdy Harrington. That's a name. That is a name and especially a goddamn name for a movie like this. Uh, it's accurate. It's it's appropriate. I mean, if it wasn't going to be a famous director, let's have a guy named Rowdy direct Roadhouse. He started mostly as a, a crew guy, a grip and a gaffer. Cool. And worked on movies like Repo Man and A Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm-hmm. And after this, Striking Distance, A Murder of Crows, The Stick Up, Eyewitness, and Bobby Jones' Stroke of Genius. He is a straight-to-DVD classics kind of guy. So this is his thing. That's it. This is the thing he will always have any remembrance over whatsoever. The original cut of this film was three hours and 20 minutes. What the fuck? Meaning they needed extensive cuts in order to get this a wide release. Yeah, I I can see that. It wasn't mostly fights, actually. More sex? No, there were a ton of very specific backstory scenes that, honestly, I would love to watch in a director's cut. Maybe. They cut out a scene where Dalton made the bouncers dance with ballet outfits as part of their training. That's funny. Which would be perfect watching Mm -hmm. Swayze. Yeah. 
most of Kathleen Wilhoit's scenes in the film. Yeah. Like, almost all of her character was cut. And she's a great character. She's decent. A fight scene that introduced Keith David as the bartender and many, many more scenes with Dalton. A scene that actually introduced the town sheriff. A scene showing Dalton knocking out all of the bad guy's henchmen on screen instead of a sudden cut to where five of them are gone. (laughs) And half of Sam Elliott's scenes, including a scene explaining his tattoo. Okay, we got to get that DVD so we can watch those deleted scenes. (laughs) If they're on there, absolutely. We'll we'll get to him, but wowzers. They purposefully incorporated red into Doc's wardrobe. One of the biggest things they said was he tried to use a ton of primary colors. Rowdy had the quote, it was a bit of a cartoon in a sense. Yeah, I see that. Especially when it's to clean it up. It's very like red, yellow, blue, blue, the blue on the sign, all that. And then then Dalton's always in like black and white cream, like until he gets the until he gets the bar uniform and it's a red shirt. Yeah, but even then, after that, he's still in neutral colors. It's bold and brash, and honestly, it works for this movie. It's okay. Any other movie, it would be like, what the fuck is this look? But for this... Well, okay, If you, you have to look at the contrast. When we get to it, it's a lot of plaid, and it's dirty and run down. Like, the, the color palette of the film is very dirty. Yeah. And then as the bar gets cleaned up and everybody shapes up a little bit, the colors are a little more bright and crisp. It's about as subtle as a uh, a mallet to the head, but you know. It's Dorothy and Oz. It does what it's supposed to do. Yep. The humor was intentional to a point. Harrington wanted most fights to look like a Keystone Cops melee. <laughs> they also made the conscious decision to have Dalton do things like his laundry. They wanted to show that he was a real person. I like that. I do. And overall, there are nine major fights and 50 stuntmen total involved in those scenes. And Rowdy wanted to make each fight its own unique thing. They did a good job with that. They did an amazing job with that. They didn't didn't rehash the same stuff over and over again, which was nice. Every fight scene feels different in pace and setting and what they're doing with it. And intensity. Oh, yeah. So that's good. On to what's the most important part of this movie, which is our cast. Our cast. And we start with our guy, our guy for this series. Our summer of Swayze. It's Patrick Swayze as Dalton. He's so dreamy. Oh my God. They show him the first moment and his hair is He's just like, yeah, I get it. <laughs> he is somewhere between like John Bon Jovi and like Kurt Russell. With this blowout on his hair that is gorgeous. Yeah, he's he's a nice little mix. And he is shirtless for about half of this movie. And then we see his butt. Oh, we see his butt, and it's a good butt. I don't know if it's butt double or not, but it's a good butt. I'm pretty sure it's I'm him. pretty sure it's his butt. <laughs> if anybody would have a good butt, it's Swayze. And I guess the thing I appreciate is like he, he is so gorgeous, but he's also so subtly charming. He chose to play down the intensity a lot of times mostly because that's how his character is supposed to be yeah no i think he's the exact right tone for what he's supposed to do because he's supposed to be intimidating but he's also not supposed to be noticed his whole job is like the bouncer guy at least the way he his role within the security group is to just be eyes he's the cooler he's the cooler 
And so like he's not supposed to be intimidating until he needs to be. And so he just hangs back and he's fine. He just looks like a dude who might be a little serious for the location. But then when he has to kick ass, he's ready to kick ass. Sorry, we're closed. Well, what are all these people doing here? Drinking and having a good time. Well, that's why we're here. You're too stupid to have a good time. He was trained by kickboxing champion Benny Urquidez, who appears in the film in a small role. Okay. And according to Sam Elliott, all of the actors did their own stunts. I love it. He likes to do his own stunts. I mean, Swayze, of course, loved to do his own stunts. Yeah. So. He sustained a knee injury and wound up turning down the role of Cash in Tango and Cash mm. and Predator 2 because of the injuries from this movie. Wow. And that's why he wound up going with Ghost because it was a much less stressful movie on his body. Yes. He could not do another action he, movie. He needed to chill for a little bit. And hey, that worked out for him pretty well. He also wound up needing knee procedures during Dirty Dancing. But one of the fights, I think it might have been the final fight or the first bar scene, mm -hmm. took a total of five days and 71 takes. Wow. And that was the fight they shot before he got his knee procedure. Oh. Because <laughs> there was some insane shit. Swayze also wrote a couple of songs for this movie. Oh, God. He wrote the song Cliff's Edge and sang that and Raising Heaven in Hell tonight on the final soundtrack. No, no, thank you. No. <laughs> no. Sorry, Patrick. No. One of the biggest problems was that Swayze's hunkiness actually disrupted filming. A pickup truck full of middle-aged blonde women tried to drive up to his trailer to meet him. Of course they did. <laughs> it's 1989. They're kind of out in podunk nowheresville. And Dirty Dancing has just hit the video store. Uh-huh. During the fight by the river, a raft of lady fans sailed by to get a look at him. That's amazing. A female extra working as a waitress was staring at Swayze and tripped, spilling all of her drinks on another extra in a scene. That's amazing. And they wound up having to hire extra bodyguards during filming to take care of the female crowds. I love it. They all wanted a look at Patrick Swayze. He is dreamy. He's so dreamy. He's so dreamy, and he just became a giant star. It's just fucking like funny. Like an undeniable hunk. The actual name for the character also came from Dalton, Georgia, which was a little town that Arlance Hill had stopped through, and the patrons left such an impression on him that he named the character after the town. And finally, Swayze, and this sounds so ridiculous, but in press, he said that he talked about the movie, quote, changing the concept of club security across the planet. And Rowdy quoted it up as saying, it goes into a world people hadn't seen. Okay, that's a bit. Uh, <laughs> that's a bit. Uh, Grandiose, you think? A smidge. I mean, it's fair. People probably don't think that there's a process and a training involved with being a bouncer or security in an entertainment facility but no don't pretend that this movie realistically portrays that shit please cue the reality tv series bouncers next up kelly lynch as doc yeah uh, yeah that's my biggest thing with her yeah there is no chemistry there she is giving him nothing she yeah she's giving him nothing like she's just so stiff as a person 
It's just not interesting. It's just, it's, I don't know. There's like eight other actors I can think of from 1989 who could have been 10,000 times and, better. And their sex scene is so bad. Oh, boy, howdy. It makes no sense. They do this like, are they going to kiss? But they, it's just, there's nothing sexy. It is total boner killer. They and are like, res- they're like resisting each other for the first five minutes of it, trying not to kiss. And then it's like, oh, you're going to do it up against the fireplace. But oh, wait, you're not. What? Just bone already. So we can be done with this scene. Because that's how bad it is. Just get it over with. Just get it over with. The sexiest part is after they've already had sex and they're naked out on the side of the roof. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and it's not even that hot because at this point you're like Ugh, you ruined it <laughs> you'll ruin you'll ruin the hot before this she was in cocktail okay after this she was in drugstore cowboy virtuosity mr magoo charlie's angels the l word 90210 from 2010 magic city and mr mercedes she spent a month shadowing a real ER to prepare for her role. Yeah, they cut it all out, so who cares? And learned how to actually sew stitches, although they wound up changing the to uh, thing to staples when they healed them up. That makes but sense. she did know how to do it, so That's she could cool. do that on screen. We have a who could have been better. Ooh. Annette Benning. Well, yeah. She was originally cast, but according to Kelly Lynch, fired for a lack of chemistry with Patrick Swayze. I can't, no. I can actually see that with Annette Benning. Annette Benning always comes off as more of a formal type person and character. Like I always think of the American president or even, I mean, she goes kind of off the rails with American beauty, but still she's a mom, right? And at this point, I don't know if that would have worked quite right. She still would have been better. Like to me, an Elizabeth Shue is who I keep thinking about here. Uh, Elizabeth Shue... She was in everything in the 80s, too. Or any of those, like, 80s actors that are now grown up a little bit. Yeah. Pair them with Swayze and boom, right? Baby Kate's. Fuck, just get Jennifer Grey. She did it with Dirty Dancing. Bring her in as the doctor. No. She's got range. Nobody would have believed it for a second. (laughs) Phoebe Kate's could have been great. Phoebe Kate's would have been awesome. I mean, so many people would have done great. Next up, Sam Elliott as Wade Garrett. Okay. Now, we love Sam Elliott. We do. Uh, who doesn't I, love Sam Elliott? When he comes on screen, it's going to be a good time. He was amazing in A Star is Born. I loved him on uh, Grace and Frankie. Him as Ron Dunn on Parks and Rec for that one episode. It's great. And even before then, Big Lebowski. Big Lebowski. I forget about Big Lebowski. I forget how many people are in that movie. But we were not prepared for the sheer magnitude of... Of the hotness that this man commanded in his younger form. I mean, he's hot now. He can get it now. The man's 75 years old. But, oh my God. And the hair. The hair alone. I am envious of his goddamn hair. So, I forget the fact that he did the movie Mask in 1985 with Cher and Eric Stoltz. And he has that hair in that movie, but he's clean shaven. Mm, Okay. And he looks like a dad. Yeah. What makes this peak hotness of Sam Elliott mm-hmm. is that he's got the long hair. They have ratted it up. Yeah, they've, they've messed it up. Too. And he has started to go gray. Mm-hmm. And he is building the beard out. With the mustache. With a little sign of the mustache to come. He is so fucking hot. He is so smoking hot as this older, rough biker dude who... Just. Like 
had to have roadied for eight different bands. That's, I mean, he's just amazing. You are not prepared. And then and then when they're doing the dance in the oh. diner and he winks and I went, oh, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, it's so hot. <laughs> and they're not doing anything bad or really sexy. And it is so fucking hot. And they screwed up the sex scene. I'm so mad. I know. Oh. Take it easy, Rambo. I know you want to save the world from the commies, but you're going to have to do it from down here, man. <laughs> Patrick Swayze is gorgeous. Sam Elliott would get it over Patrick Swayze any fucking day in this movie. Sam Elliott makes Patrick Swayze look like a troll in this film. He's... That's how hot he is. Ooh-wee. Ugh. I did put a lot of credits here. We talked about some of them. I did find it interesting. He was in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid before yeah, this. he's old. <laughs> I mean, he's, he did tons of westerns, of course. Yeah. And then, you know, some of the other ones, Up in the Air, mm-hmm. Thank You for Smoking, he's yeah. the Marlboro Man. Yeah. He claims that this is his most recognizable role. Hmm. Okay. Which maybe at the time of that I, trivia, that as, is no longer the case. With as successful as it, as it was at the time, I get that that was the thing that gave him recognition. Lebowski is now his iconic role. Oh, well, that's so true. For in the cowboy hat, for, in the sarsaparilla. For yeah. everybody in that film, that became their calling card. Of course. And I mean, that's how the mustache lasted. So, yep. Well, he, as Sam Watterson's character says in Grace and Frankie, there are 10 people who can pull off that mustache and he's nine of them. <laughs> <laughs> he almost didn't take the role in this movie because of the similarities he felt it had with Mask. Okay. I'm so glad he did. Yes, thank you. He might be the best part of this movie. He he is the best part of this movie. Uh, he's he's just hair. so cool. It's just the hair. Oh, man. I just, I want to comb it. I want to brush it. All right. Hard left turn to Ben Gazzara as Brad Wesley. Who? <laughs> wow. That's kind of amazing. Who's Who's this dude? Ben Gazzara is a legend. I have no he idea is the he is. M- main muse of John Cassavetes and his independent films. Before this, he was in Anatomy of a Murder, The Young Doctors, Husbands, Capone, The Killing of a Chinese Bookie, Voyage of the Damned, Opening Night, and Inchon. After this, The Spanish Prisoner, 1997, Buffalo 66, The Big Lebowski, Happiness, The Thomas Crown Affair, and Dogville. He has been in a ton of older stuff. He really did hook on with John Cassavetes. It was this main actor and they're sort of legends of pre-indie cinema. Uh, he's the wrong guy for this movie. True. I could care less about him. I know he's a good actor. That's the hard part about watching I, him. I mean, I've seen The Big Lebowski and The Thomas Crown Affair from those credits and I could not tell you who he is. I know. I have no idea. But this is one of those things where you have a guy who is super, super good at intimate hyper-realistic drama. I think the biggest problem is that his character's written so poorly. Oh, that too. That you already don't care. I don't care who you put in this role. I probably am not going to care about them. If you had somebody who could be a little more broad. Maybe. Because his forte is being like super intense. And this role is so fucking bonkers. You needed somebody who could play wacky to be the wacky villain for this movie. Yeah, and that's not this dude. Gazzara said this is the movie he saw most on television of his after filming, which, of course. And according to Rowdy, Ben Gazzara 
ate 12 eggs in that breakfast scene while they were filming it. Ew. <laughs> a total, like that, after okay. all the takes. Okay. Marshall R. Teague playing Jimmy. Before this, he did television. After this, <laughs> he did biggest things were The Rock and Armageddon. But he has some fun trivia attached to him. During a fight, he slams a log against Swayze. He thought it was a prop log, but it oh, wasn't. No. And Swayze wound up covered in bruises. Teague took his mom to the premiere of the film. Mm-hmm. And at the line, I used to fuck guys like you in prison, his mom stood up and said, that's my boy. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> now on to our Arpons. We have Julie Michaels as Denise, the sort of blonde bombshell gym queen. We will see her in Point Break as well, but she is a legendary stunt woman. Yeah, I knew she looked familiar. I've seen her around and things. She has done a ton of stuff. Yeah. You have probably seen her and you have seen the stunt work that she has done, including Titanic, which we have covered on this, mm-hmm. uh, this show before. Cool. We get Red West playing Red Webster, the auto parts guy. Red was a close friend of Elvis and part of his inner circle. Very cool. Mm-hmm. We got Sunshine Parker as Emmett, who wound up in Any Which Way You Can, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, and Tremor. Okay. Jeff Healy as Cody, the guitar player. Healy was a real guitar player with a big following, lost his sight at 18 months old due to cancer. Oh, wow. And started playing guitar at three. And his song Angel Eyes was a top five hit from this film. So that bar band is his actual band. Okay, that's cool. And so they had his character just kind of written into the film as this guy who knows Dalton. I like it. It's pretty cool. It's a neat way to bring in a bar band for a bar movie. We get Kevin Teague as Tillman. He's one of those that guys, right? Like he's, yes. I've seen his face. You know who he is. He's barely aged. He since. was Anthony Cooper in Lost. Yeah. And also appeared in another 48 Hours. What's Eating Gilbert Grape? He was an Eight Men Out. He did a lot of stuff. Yeah. John Doe as Pat McGurn, the bartender stealing from the place. This is the legendary punk rocker singer-guitarist of the band X, who has made himself a tiny little career as being an indie guy in movies. I don't know anything about that band. They're good. Kind of Rocky Billy inspired. Check them out. Kathleen Wilhoit as Carrie... Yep. Who you immediately recognized as Liz Danes from Gilmore Girls. Luke's sister. She just has that very distinct voice. Again, I would have loved seeing more of her character. I would too. Like, because you get that sense that she's got a crush on Dalton, but then like through the rest of the movie, it's more like, oh no, she's just trying to be nice to him. Mm -hmm. Like maybe she's like, he's hot, but like he quickly shut that down. But like, I would have liked them to have like a nice professional relationship where they could joke with each other. Well, and if you really needed to shoehorn a relationship for her, there's a, like five other guys in that bar. Yeah, like maybe one of the bouncers. Yeah. Like, you know, just something sweet. Or like, hell, have her fall in love with the with the guitarist. Oh, yeah, that was dude. the one I wanted. It yeah. should have been that. Because she's up there on stage yeah, doing the song. Yeah, it just... You yes. missed a huge opportunity cutting so much of her out of the movie. I know it or, was a three-hour movie, but still. Or she should hook up with Wade. <laughs> that would great. I mean, everybody should hook up with Wade, That's let's true. be honest. It's true. Terry Funk as Morgan, the big burly guy who gets fired after the first night. Yeah. 
He was a longtime wrestler in the NWA and in the 90s had a career with ECW and WWE. It was his idea to have John Doe's character called Dalton Chicken Dick. Chat. Nice. Stupid. I know. We get the very recognizable Keith David as Ernie the bartender who shows up for all of like three minutes in this movie. Mm -hmm. And finally, the original bar band at the beginning of the movie, Mm -hmm. the Crusados, was formed by Tito LaRiva, who would go on to be Tito and Tarantula, who you will know from Desperado and from Dusk Till Dawn. Those guys did the music for all those movies. Mm -hmm. So we have to talk about awards. What? Namely, the Razzies. Oh, okay. This movie got nominated for the top five Razzie categories. The opposite Oscars. Worst picture, worst director, worst screenplay, worst actor, and worst supporting actor. Guess what? It lost all of those categories. Which means they won. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it depends on how you view it. Okay, I feel like now, because we make such a big deal out of the Oscars, because we have a lot of fun with it. We need to do the Razzies. I kind of want to do the Razzies. Oh, I don't know if we have to watch those. No, no, no. We just have to see. Like, do we agree? Do we agree with these nominations? Do we feel like these are fair? We have to pick who deserves this the least. (laughs) (laughs) That's the game. Trivia. Mm -hmm. An off-Broadway production of this movie appeared in 2003 with the following title. Roadhouse, the stage version of the cinema classic that starred Patrick Swayze, except this one stars Ty Mac from the 80s cult classic, The Last Dragon, wearing a blonde mullet wig. I love it. It's my favorite <laughs> thing ever. Because that's how you describe it to everybody. I will say this. This movie would be amazing if it were staged live. It's a great one set show. Like, seriously. Yeah, I've already designed the set. I've already designed it. You have one bar in the beginning. That shows you exactly like him at the fancy bar, and then it switches to the not fancy bar, and then his apartment is above it. That's it. That's the entire set. That's it. You can side wing in like reds or something yeah. like that if you need to, because you do have to blow up reds. I mean, that's important Maybe to a the story. Bit. And he has to go to the doctor, but you can probably just put the scrim down, right? Yeah, it's it's you can just imply a lot of things. <laughs> it's, yep, it's, done. It's a great idea, and there's so much fight choreography to do with it that's the meat of it that's cool it would be really fucking cool to watch i it's gone but that's a really that's neat co- thing that's when like if we lived in the places where that was happening we'd be like we gotta go check this out just, oh, for, just for shits of course in the official razzie movie guide this movie is listed as one of the 100 most enjoyable bad movies ever made i agree I, with that i would wholeheartedly i agree think with that's that. fair in his first appearance at the double deuce swayze stand next to a post carved buddy's corner Buddy was Swayze's nickname. The film's original tagline, the dancing's over. Now it gets dirty. (laughs) I mean, it's totally trying to capitalize on his fame. It's so good. But it makes no sense for the actual movie. Part of what is so great is that they got this edited, and then the marketing team looked at it and went, it's not great, but we can make so much fucking money off of this. Because of who our star is. The three simple rules speech is now often shown to police officers, Mm -hmm. especially it was originally shown to NYPD officers when it was reported they were falling asleep during lectures. I can get behind that ethic of trying to keep peace. Well, yeah, it's just like you be nice. You take them outside. You be nice. And you only start a fight when you have to. Get out of the place of the property. Like. 
take it outside, but be nice. All you have to do is follow three simple rules. One, never underestimate your opponent. Expect the unexpected. Two, take it outside. Never start anything inside the bar unless it's absolutely necessary. And three, be nice. Come on, honey. If somebody gets in your face and calls you a cocksucker, I want you to be nice. Okay. Ask him to walk. Be nice. If you won't walk, walk him. But be nice. If you can't walk him, one of the others will help you, and you'll both be nice. The film had a dedicated knife maker, Jack Crane, who made blades for Predator, Die Hard, and Demolition Man. <laughs> okay. I mean, those were impressive knives, especially that one they pull out at the end. I mean, we've been watching too much Forged and Fire, so that's true. It's whatever. It was reportedly a toss-up on who used more hairspray in the movie, Kelly Lynch or Patrick Swayze? Patrick Swayze. <laughs> Swayze's quote was, that hair turned into the bane of my existence. I'm sure it did. <laughs> you may notice the song, These Arms of Mine, being used in Swayze and Lynch's sex scene. It's the same song used in Dirty Dancing. No, we're going to forget that sex scene because it's boner killer. Oh, it's so bad. So bad. The Bigfoot monster truck scene. I mean, the second they showed that car, I was like, well, that's going to run over something. <laughs> like that, You don't have a car like that in the movie unless you're going to do something. It either has to flip over, fall in the lake, or run over things. That's, only, that's the only point of that car. I know. I know. And it is the actual Bigfoot truck. The whole scene cost $500,000. It was driven by former Bigfoot driver and then Vice President Jim Cramer, done in one take. If you're looking at it, you can see that there's no roof on the building. Yeah, you, there's too much light coming uh, in. Of course. And then they repainted the truck and it kept on touring around, crushing other cars. Well, yeah, it's a job. So it's good publicity for Bigfoot. This movie has the honor of being the first movie for which Riff Tracks recorded a commentary. Aw. <laughs> Congratulations. Producer Joel Silver thought the set looked too nice and had the crew tear it up to get it looking like an actual dive bar. <laughs> the Red's auto explosion woke the neighbors thinking MGM was burning down. <laughs> well, it's happened before. It was a giant ass explosion. That's awesome. It took $25,000 to shoot that scene alone. It's a big fire. In the book, Dalton is reading while he's in the bar and in the house is Jim Harrison's Legends of the Fall. I'm sorry, I don't know if you heard that. Barf. All right, it's a dumbass movie. It is a dumbass movie. Oh, boy, there's so many choices. That's the problem here. Mm-hmm. How many Wade Garrett hair ties are you going to give this movie? Hmm. Three. Solid three. It's a solid three. Like, there's shit that's bad, but, like, I would watch it again. I would too. Like, okay, I'd watch the first hour and a half and then I'd turn it off. Eh, I just, I do other stuff while the rest of it was on so I could get to the end of it. I might tune back in when he gets to the fight so I could see him rip the guy's throat out. See, yeah, they don't, they honestly don't make it graphic enough, so I don't care. I know. They don't, they don't escalate to that point at all very well. But no. I mean, the whole first two thirds of the movie is just really fucking fun and great. Yeah, it was a good time. We've definitely watched worse. I'm not angry about my time spent. Neither am I. And I got to watch Pretty People. So, you know, not a bad way to spend your evening. So, yeah, that concludes our summer of Swayze. Oh, man. Yeah. But it was fun. It was so much fun. Yep. 
Patrick Swayze, cool dude. Yeah, by all accounts, he was pretty pretty good dude mm-hmm. as a person. So I like that. So what are we doing next month? Well, we're gonna give it up for the ladies. Hell's yeah! We're gonna do lady directors. So if you listen, if you listen to our Oscar covers this year, we did the piano. Mm-hmm. That film was so like very much a female-led film, both in front of and behind the camera. And we're just like, well, we gotta do a lady directors. They don't get enough love. And there's so many great ones. And there are. And there's just and a lot of them are ones that we haven't seen. So we're going to we're going to do some some lady directed films. It's going to be very, very interesting and fun. <laughs> We've got a real wide spectrum of like solid dyed in the wool blockbuster style movies and some very some, indie stuff, some, some artsy stuff. And then we got some pop culture favorites. So it's going to be fun. I'm it, looking forward to it. All right. Until next time. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Be sure to review and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. For questions, comments, and recommendations, you can email us at macintoshandmod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Facebook.